Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And my name is Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. We thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. I did that without reading it, Lucas. <laughs> I read it. Really? I did it. I read it every time, but I forgot to open it after we hit record. So, uh, I did it anyway. You guys don't care. Uh, welcome to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. It's Friday. Uh, we're talking about uh, creeds and confessions this week. If you recall, if you've been away for a little while, if you're not caught up, uh, we uh, put a pause on Christians of history. Uh, we haven't like fully hashed it out, but what we might do is just like. One month, do Christians of History. The next month, do Creeds and Confessions. The next month, do Christians of History. Uh, we're just sort of like bopping around a little bit, having some variety. Uh, for a long time, we did only Christians of History. We introduced Creeds and Confessions, and then we went back to Christians of History. And now we're back again into Creeds and Confessions. We're in the middle of the Augsburg Confession. Um, if you're somebody who likes, you know, starting at the beginning, go back and find episode one of the Augsburg. Uh, if you don't care, we're on article 12 this week, which is uh, titled Of Repentance. Um, so uh, we, we've sort of made our way through the, the other 11. Last week we talked about 9 through 11 specifically, uh, but we, we've been highlighting, uh, you know, who God is, original sin, uh, justification and so on, and, and as we come to repentance, we're we're talking about one of the, um, I think, central pieces, the central themes here, because this is one of the the longer articles that we'll have read. So, Lucas, why don't you read the first part, and then we will discuss. Uh, starting with Article Twelve, it says, "Of repentance, they teach that for those who have fallen after baptism, there is remission of sins whenever they are converted." and that the church ought to impart absolution to those thus returning to repentance. Now, repentance consists properly of these two parts. One is contrition, that is, terrors smiting the conscience through the knowledge of sin. The other is faith, which is born of the gospel, or of absolution, and believes that for Christ's sake, sins are forgiven, comforts the conscience, and delivers it from terrors. Then good works are bound to follow, which are the fruits of repentance." So that was the first section that we'll talk about. We'll, we'll uh, After we talk about this, we'll wrap up with the last. But there's a lot of really good stuff here and a lot of really interesting stuff, I think, too. So um, right away, I think, right in the beginning, it says that those who have fallen after baptism, there is remission of sins. What is going on with that? What do we mean when we say those who have fallen after baptism like i don't feel like that's something that a phrase that is is very common parlance today yeah. at least in the circles that i run in so so that's kind of why i'm just it sticks out to me as being so being maybe a little different i guess yeah no very hearing. very different and I'm, I'm i'm assuming that this tradition so the lutherans um, but especially those who would have been raised in a catholic tradition before um before the reformation probably were baptized as infants if i'm correct right they would have been um oh yeah have been baptized a long time ago so uh, perhaps this is speaking to that reality that uh, as people you know that you're baptized as a child but as you learn as you grow as you go th go throughout the rest of your life um, some people will not take that baptism for what it's worth they 
Uh, they might reject Christ. They might, you know, t- turn to whatever worldly ideology. Um, so it could, I suppose, be speaking in, in that sense, speaking of people who were maybe raised in the church, who were baptized, but who at one point had fallen. Um, and so it's saying that that person isn't without hope, that there is um, still remission of sins. I don't, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's even broader than that. I mean, I think that's definitely obviously true. Um, like that, that would definitely fall under this if if somebody abandons the faith that they were raised in and then returns to it, that would obviously apply here. But I think it's even broader. It's just talking about sinning after baptism. Um, You can have your sins forgiven once you're baptized. And that might, again, sound weird to us, but this was a major concern in the early church. I mean, there's, um, you know, we talked about it when we talked about Augustine and, 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 the, conf- and the stories he relates in the confessions of his own baptism. You can look at uh, Constantine not being baptized till he was on his deathbed. Um, that wasn't a uh, commitment to credo-baptism in the early church. That was a debate, and, and the, the real-life practical impact of that debate over whether or not baptism— forgives future sins post-baptism or can only forgive sins that had already occurred. And if you think that once you're baptized, if you sin again, that sin can't be forgiven, then you're going to want to wait to be baptized, right? Because I don't know if I'm going to sin again. I probably am. And then that's that's quite a a burden, right? Um, You know, against that idea, sort of sort of setting up the opposite here, there is remission of sins whenever they're converted and that the church ought to impart absolution to those thus returning to repentance. So this is kind of kicking off by saying we're talking about repentance and to start that conversation, we're going to say for those who are repentant, there is remission of sins even after baptism, right? Not only before baptism or only up to baptism or only, you know, like, it's like a one-time deal back to, you know, like, like the church can do this once for you or, or whatever. Um, which again, obviously would apply to people who are coming into faith for the first time, you know, in their thirties or people who are raised in the faith and have maybe not taken it seriously or never, you know, paid much attention to it or everywhere in between, right. You know, the most pious devoted Christian who, sinned because they're a sinner and so they need forgiveness and this is saying first of all that there is forgiveness and second of all that sort of the the like initiation of that is the repentance right the church ought to impart absolution to those thus returning to repentance so Hmm. there's this there's this return to the state of of uh forgiveness or cleanliness or purity or or however you want to phrase it of baptism that happens when we repent or when when someone returns to repentance is kind of how it says it here um do we see this today like are are there people that kind of have that same mindset that if you sin after baptism that they're like so like you know like, like we were saying that back in the earlier days of the church there were people who would delay baptism to ensure you know you didn't you know, rack up a sin debt or something. 
Yeah, I don't know of any church or or person or group that like that that teaches that. Um, I I I think for at least for the I mean you know I don't want to say there's not a person somewhere because usually when I say that later I find out there is, <laughs> there is. a person yeah. somewhere. But yeah, um, I I would as far as I've ever heard I, I've never heard of any particular you know, group that would affirm that doctrine. I think we'll, in the second half of this article, we'll get into something that I think is related to that. Okay. Um, that is is more related to discussions with respect to Roman Catholicism. Mm. Um, but, but that specifically, just the, this question over whether or not sins are even forgivable after baptism... Um, I, I don't think on any sort of official level there are Christians. I, I Like, that's a question that has been answered, you know. If, if someone right. believes that, I don't think they'd really be a part of any sort of mainstream expression of Christianity hmm. in any historic sense, right? Just because, um, you know, this this was part of, like, Tertullian's whole deal, whole deal was, was his, the, the reason he... Um, I, at some point, I don't know how late in his career or early in his career, but at, the, at some point he, he has a writing on baptism. The first um, treatise of baptism, I think, that we have actually is this one by Tertullian, and, and he says that um, believer, adults or, or older people being baptized is, is to be preferred over babies being baptized for that exact reason. Is He was like, baptism is so serious. Like, it's we need to be really careful. Hmm. And he, like, if you know anything about Tertullian, he was a very strict moralist kind of person with the way he approached the faith. And that's kind of what led him into possibly becoming a Montanist heretic Hmm. later in, in life. So, um, very interesting, like perspective, but I think it, it, it helps to illustrate why a statement like this makes sense in the context of, an article on repentance because that's what we're getting at is, is repentance is what's that all about? Forgiveness of sins. Right. Um, so we've kind of established all about, right. Yeah. What is, what is repentance all about? Yeah. We, we've kind of established the, the, the point, I guess you could say like, like your sins are forgiven in repentance when, when you, you know, are repentant. And then we, we get into what repentance actually is, which is a great, um, a great place to go. Right. So they say that there are two parts of repentance, contrition and faith. Um, and contrition is, is I, 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 again, not a word we necessarily use all the time, but I feel like it's one I remember hearing about in youth group, you know, and like a lesson on the, um, on Psalm 51 or something, right. you know, like um, a broken and contrite heart is, you know, the sacrifice that God desires. So, it's as they say it, which I like. Just the this is a very visceral description. Terrors smiting the conscience through the knowledge of sin. That's my. So new basically, band, you have to actually. Name. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you have to. You have to actually feel bad about your sin, and not feel bad like oh, I, you know, I don't like getting caught, or I don't want you know. But like, you actually have a a uh, fear and a sadness and a regret and a contrition. You know, there's just a word for it. Uh, over sin, which 
this I feel like gets really at the idea of like, when we're talking about repentance, we're talking about something that's genuinely going on in someone's heart, right? Like, like, I'm not trying to like, you know, pick apart people or whatever, or, or try and, you know, get into like trying to discern some, someone's heart or whatever. But like, technically, I think it, we, we might want to say something like, in, in, in like a objective sense, we're not really talking about repentance if it's quote unquote, you know, not genuine, right? Like if I go and I, and I confess my sins to someone who I hurt, but I don't really feel any sense of grief or regret over that sin, I haven't really repented, even if I've made the impression that I have. Well, right? let me give you an example. This is maybe a real life example. I'm sure it is. It's made up for the sake of this example. But uh, let's say that you have some parents and a child. Uh, the child is really hungry. Uh, they know that dinner is coming up, uh, but they, they can't wait for dinner any longer. So they decide, I'm going to go sneak a couple cookies from the cookie jar. Uh, the parent walks in as, you know, your hand deep into this cookie jar, grabbing some Oreos and some Chips Ahoy. And your mouth is all, you know, g giving you away that you've already taken several bites. And the child is uh, apologizing, not necessarily because they're actually sorry, not because they actually have contrition, uh, but because they got caught. I'm sure that that's happened before. I'm sure it's even happened to me before. Uh, but maybe it's happened in your marriage. Maybe it's happened, you know, in a parent-child relationship. But a lot of times we apologize for something not because we're truly remorseful, not because we're truly sorrowful over what we've done and how we've hurt somebody, uh, but we're in some sense like upset that we got caught or like we, we know that we need to apologize even if we don't mean it. Yeah, and I, I like that example because it, it really is such a basic uh, idea, contrition, right? Like you're not, you're not gonna accept someone's apology if you don't think they mean it. You're not going to want to apologize if you don't have a desire to apologize because you have some recognition of your own wrongdoing or harm that you've caused, right? Like it, 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 it it's almost like just self-evident, I think, based on our own just experience living as humans that part of repentance requires contrition, requires that, that internal recognition and remorse over my sin so that's that's the first part the second part that they name here is faith which um they say is born of the gospel or of absolution and believe so so you're you're contrite and you're sorry you regret your sin and you have faith and you believe that for christ's sake sins are forgiven so that's kind of like the the belief part um that faith and that belief comforts your conscience and delivers you from terrors. They use the word terrors again. So we kind of see like you, you have this recognition of your sin and your contrition, which causes you fear, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Like there's a reason that sermon is titled that, you know, but part of the faith that you have coming to before God in repentance is based on your belief that sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. My, my conscience is comforted and I'm, I am no longer afraid of the consequences or the results of my sin because I know, again, like it says, for Christ's sake, I've been forgiven. My sins have been forgiven to me, right? Um, and 
that I think is super key, obviously in light of, you know, it's been kind of broken up over the last few months, but everything else we've talked about or, or read about in the Augsburg up to now, um, it's not really surprising. I, I don't think that that faith is, is right there at the, um, and, and not just some kind of vague faith in something, but faith in Christ, belief for Christ's sake that sins are forgiven, um, is right there at the, the heart of repentance, right? Like it just seems uh, inevitable the way that the Augsburg is sort of shaking itself out. But, but so contrition and faith, contrition and um, faith meaning uh, belief that sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, um, comforted conscience and, you know, peace from your fears or whatever. Um, that's the two parts of repentance, which causes, leads to, you know, is the sort of initial cause of um, uh, sins being remitted and forgiven, uh, and you are therefore no longer under the, you know, the the burden of your sin when you sin, even if you've already been baptized or even if whatever, right? Like it's kind of, it doesn't really matter. What matters is this repentance, this contrition and faith. What does that mean? That means you have been forgiven. And then in concluding this section, then good works are bound to follow, which are the fruits of repentance. So we're, we're getting a little bit um, into like what the place of works are. We've got, we've got faith as part of repentance. Works are not part of repentance. Works are the fruit of repentance, right? It's not like your repentance is contrition and works or is faith and works or is whatever. Your, your repentance happens, which then leads to the fruit of good works. Um, and we can think maybe that's making it up to, to someone who I've wronged. Maybe that's repaying a debt that I've stolen. Maybe it's just out of a you know, grateful heart of being forgiven. I am a loving and forgiving person. Like good works is a very vague phrase. Right. I, Intentionally I have to imagine so, right. we're just talking about all kinds of works that are good. Mm. Right. Um, so I think like it, it, it's kind of a lot, especially to read it all at once, but I think breaking it down like this, like it really is a, a, a couple of, I think, especially for people who've been around church and the Bible for a long time, I think it's a fairly straightforward kind of explanation of, of what repentance is. And we also get a lot of what, what repentance is doing, right? right? A lot of the effects or the results of repentance. So I, I think it's a good, uh, you know, maybe we haven't done the best job explaining it, but I think we have. I think it's a good, yeah. a really good, like, pretty brief but also in-depth sort of little discussion on repentance At yeah that's, and that's sort of my takeaway from that section agreed and that's actually going to help me segue into this well because um what i was going to say is there are a couple things in this next section that might require some context or might require understanding uh when this was written and so like you're saying this is for for modern ears what we've just read in the first little bit seems very recognizable, very familiar, uh, but it would have been a little bit foreign, especially for those who would have come out of uh, a more Catholic background. Um, so as we go into the, the next little half of this, just keep in mind some of these words um, might not be super familiar. So this section says, they condemn the Anabaptists who deny that those once justified can lose the Holy Ghost. Also, those who contend that some may attain to such perfection in this life 
that they cannot sin. And then is this the novations uh, also are so. condemned who would not absolve such as had fallen after baptism, though they returned to repentance. They also are rejected who do not teach the remission that remission of sins comes through faith, but command us to merit grace through sanctifications of our own. Uh, so a, bit's a, a bit of a mouthful here, a uh, lot to, to go through. Like I said, maybe a couple things that you might not be familiar with, uh, depending on your tradition. Maybe you don't know who Anabaptists are. Maybe you don't know who the Novations are. I will confess that I don't know what that means. Uh, probably should have looked it up beforehand. But um, I think it stands to, to reason here that as, as the Augsburg has just explained what they do believe about uh, repentance, they are now showing some of the people whom they disagree with. That's why every time you see the word they condemn or they disagree or whatever, it's speaking of Lutherans. So Lutherans are the ones condemning the Anabaptists. They are also condemning the Novations and those that um, uh, who do not teach that remission of sins comes through faith, but commands that it is to be basically merited on our own through our own sanctifications. Um, so it has in mind probably, you know, Catholicism, um, has in mind uh, the early uh, Anabaptists and Novations. So uh, is there anything that jumps off the page here for you, Lucas? Um, so I think it's, it's like on the one hand, we've got the, the, the Anabaptists seem like one wing in opposition to the Novations. Like what I should say is the Anabaptists and the Novations are representing these two opposing poles maybe where on the one hand, the Novations are saying, you can't be forgiven if you, if you sin after baptism. That's, it's too bad. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, it's this sort of like overly strict uh, legalism, right? And then the Anabaptists sort of represent the opposite end of that, where it's like, they're saying, or here, they're, they're you know, we're being told that they say <laughs> um, that once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't lose the Holy Ghost once you've been justified. In fact, you can live a perfect life right now. And it's almost like this uh, inordinate burden of sin in the novations where if I even make one small mistake, I am going to be cast out of the kingdom forever versus this antinomianism of I can do whatever I want. You know, what, what Paul's getting at in Romans 6, shall we go on sinning now that grace, you know, like, no, you, you can't just go on sinning, <laughs> Paul tells us if you do that you're actually you know not uh living a christian life at all uh so you know that's not good and then also um part of that extreme like i i'm actually i actually don't sin anymore i i i don't sin at all i can't sin because i'm perfect now like these 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 almost uh extreme examples of maybe we could say like misapplications of the idea of the gospel and grace or misunderstandings of the place of repentance. Um, both of which are, are, are sort of specifically, you know, named with certain groups. Uh, but then we also get the, the, the last sentence, which I think is the most interesting. And, and you kind of, you kind of alluded to it. Um, they don't say it, which is one of the reasons I think this, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they're talking about, Rome, when they say those who do not teach that remission of sins comes through faith, but command us to merit grace through satisfactions of our own, right? They're not, you know, probably isn't a very politically, socially 
well, not socially, but politically safe um, move to when you're trying to, you know, demonstrate to your Catholic king why you're not a terrible heretic. You probably shouldn't condemn the Catholic Church by name, right? Um, so I think that's a, and I don't know the, hist- the, the you know, sort of the, the textual criticism of this particular uh, sentence, but I do think it's really important in light of the first section that we talked about. Um, when they explained what repentance is um, and what repentance consists of, uh, it helps, I think, illuminate this sentence and it also makes it a really, really important point of uh, difference between um, Rome as well as other uh, groups who would teach this um, and the broader Reformation perspective where the, like I said before, it's not that repentance consists consists of being sorry for your sins and then making satisfactions, doing penance, committing certain good works in order to pay off the debt of your sin. That We just spent all that time talking about how, no, good works are the fruit of your forgiveness based on your contrition and belief and faith in the gospel, right? Um, and that is a big piece of a lot of the fights theologically that are happening during the Reformation and that have continued to sort of go, go on in discussions and debates between Rome and various Protestant um, groups, I think, ever since, because um, this is a fundamental difference in understanding of how the gospel is applied to us, how we receive forgiveness, because um, I don't need to make satisfaction for my sin, according to the Augsburg, according to, as far as I know, any Protestant um, confession or, or, or group or, or, or a statement of faith or anything. Um, but I am forgiven solely for Christ's sake, solely on the base of my faith in him, and then as a result, I do good works as opposed to the good works playing a role in my satisfaction for my sins, right? Kind of the difference between the idea that all of my sins have already been satisfied for or there's still a little bit more work for me to do or I should say a little more work to be done. And part of that is, is me uh, doing penance or doing those good works, you know, the, the like... Uh, what's the term like caricature stereotype you know all the movies you go to the priest you confess your sins he says say seven our fathers and ten hail marys like that's penance that's that's you know prescribing you good works to do prayers giving to the poor you know some kind of good work in order to be absolved of your sins it's a part of the process as opposed to a fruit of the process i think is is one way to put it that really matches well with what what it seems like this article is is trying to get at is this difference right um and i th- i think that's what's going on obviously they don't say it's rome but it seems to be just based on kind of what they're getting at um but more importantly too they're not just picking on rome or not just picking on the anabaptists they have a very you know i think this is the the most or, or one of the articles that, that has the most different people that they're condemning. And I think that shows the different ways that Christians have attempted to 
with more or less success in different times and places, wrestle through what the gospel actually looks like. What repentance, what forgiveness, what being restored to, to, to grace after falling away. Like those are big questions that took a, a, got received a lot of different answers by a lot of different people. And we kind of see that as, um, the, the reformers here are working that out and they're expressing it in this way. They're being very, it seems, like I said, like, it seems like they're, they're sort of calling out errors on both sides of them, you know, where, where, you can, you can swing too far in one direction or another. Um, they, they seem to be being very careful in attempting to clarify where, where they stand, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of article 12. I think, yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like I, I say that every time we, I just, I really like the <laughs> Augsburg confession. I think it's, it's fantastic. Um, but, but I, I think repent the, this article here on repentance, I think is a really, really good, starting point for any conversation on what does it look like to repent you know how, how do i know that i'm forgiven like those kinds of questions i think this is a really that this idea of contrition and faith you know forming together repentance um and on basis the basis of that my sins are are forgiven like i think it's a really powerful partially because it's so simple and partially because it's so um comforting um, mm. I think it's a really powerful framing of this topic. So I, I'm a big fan. Agreed. No, that was really good. Um, so do you want to close this out? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, a little bit of a longer episode for a, for a Friday, which you know might be a good or a bad thing, depending on what you think. <laughs> if you think it's a bad thing, you don't have to listen. I don't know why you're following us anyway, if you're not interested in listening to our episode so if you are interested thank you uh for tuning in thank you for listening um as always and if you'd like to connect with us we are on twitter and instagram at doxology podcast and you can also email us at doxology podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear feedback questions ideas for future episodes uh feedback on the idea specifically of kind of switching between christians of history and creeds and confessions or some completely different thing that we haven't thought of or whatever you want to tell us about so uh where our ears are open our inboxes are open and, and we'd love to hear from you and until next time we'll see you